Those of you that have been here regular uh, in attendance, uh, you know that we're just finishing up a series called Love Like Jesus. You know, and it means a couple different things. First off, it means uh, if we're following Jesus, uh, that we should be serving. Love serves for sure. Uh, it also means that uh, if we're following Jesus, we should be friend of sinners. You know, Jesus sought out those people that were sinners and uh, he made company with them that he might uh, win them over uh, by his love as well. But uh, I sort of want to stay in line with that today. And if we're following Jesus, it also means that we should have uh, the compassion of Jesus Christ in our life as well. You know, and so, I mean, what does this mean to us? Is this relevant today here for Mountain View Church, and it definitely is, and so I'll basically cut right to the chase on this and say that, you know, the gospel has demands on our life, that if we believe this gospel, that it should affect uh, every area of our life, it should affect our service, uh, it should affect and drive us in those people that we want to seek, uh, that we want to show the love of Christ, and it also means that we should be compassionate to those that don't know Jesus to those that are hurting, that are in pain, that have uh, experienced injustices in this world. And uh, so uh, this is a good time to read the text. So if you will, please stand. I'm going to be in Matthew chapter 9, 35 through 38. And I think that the message I've got from this is a little bit different than uh, the way most people uh, would preach it. But I believe this is revelation from God. So I'm just going to go with what he's given me this morning. So we pick up in 35 and it says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Father God, help us this morning. Be with me as I bring the word. Help us to be known as a compassionate group, Father. Help us to see as Jesus seen to be compassionate. Help us to understand that we need to be praying for those to be sent out into the harvest. And Father, help us to be bold enough to pray for it to be us. Help us to pray and say, God, send me. Tell me what to do, Father. And help us to understand this morning that the way we live, that the compassion that we show has implications in the kingdom. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. All right, so uh, this morning's text is kingdom-driven compassion. You know, compassion with an eye for the kingdom, that we can point those to Christ uh, that don't know Him. And that in a couple ways that, you know, we need the supernatural power of Jesus in us to be compassionate, to show compassion to those that are hard to live. And then also with a kingdom mind, we are driven in the way that we treat and react to people in this world. So I feel like that's two ways that kingdom should be driving us into our compassion. The working definition of compassion is it's a feeling of deep sympathy for others, hurting, pain, or misfortunes. Here's the kicker. Accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate that suffering. Any definition you get of this, that will be what it says. You know, it is a deep emotion. A lot of definitions say it comes from the bowels, the innermost being of yourself. And it is such a strong emotion that you are driven into 
action, that you have to engage in whatever uh, is going on with these people, that you're willing to get dirty, get a little messy, get off into what they're messing with, uh, that you might alleviate this. And uh, this should be kingdom driven because you're doing this in a way that you would want to have that opportunity to share the gospel with them, to use a word of your testimonies about what God has done for you and ultimately about what God can do for them. You know, our God is the compassionate God. You can go through the Old Testament, uh, most namely in Isaiah and the Psalms, and you can read all about the compassion that God showed to Israel in those Old Testament times. Uh, There's several in Isaiah, but uh, you can read those later. I picked 54.10. It really spoke to me. Isaiah 54.10 says, Though the mountains be shaken... And the hills removed. Yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Now the Old Testament scriptures says that it was God's compassion uh, that caused him to have mercy on Israel, that kept him from actually just blotting them out. You know, Israel was oftentimes in disobedient to God. Uh, indirect rebellion against him. I like to look at it with use of the definition that it was God's compassion on Israel that kept him engaged to them, that kept him living up to his promises and moving them. He continued to provide for them all throughout their journey and onward. And so God's compassion was perfectly displayed in a couple different ways. We Everyone here today that's a believers have been recipients of God's compassion. God displayed His compassion in a couple different ways, but number one, by sending Jesus into this world. It could be said that this was uh, God's compassion, this was God's action toward His emotion, toward our suffering that caused Him to go out of heaven into the person of Jesus uh, into this world so that uh, we could be saved. Uh, He sent Jesus to be uh, the sacrifice for us so that we could be in contact, so we could be in relationship with Him. Uh, We experience this compassion uh, ongoing today. As you know, none of us here are perfect vessels. We uh, have sin in our life. We have struggles in our life. And God is quick to forgive those sins. If we repent, we turn back to Him, and we have been saved by Jesus Christ. Another way that God's compassion was perfectly displayed was in the person of Jesus Christ. The relationships that Jesus had and the contacts that Jesus had with the people that uh, he met here on earth uh, was a direct result of the compassion of God. It was uh, so much different than the religious leaders of that day and what they experienced uh, from other people. You know, the religious leaders of that day, they saw sin, the Pharisees, as a result of sin. Suffering was a result of sin, rather. That if anybody had any hardship in their life, uh, if they were struggling with anything, then they just needed to repent. And that, you know, oftentimes that that was their own fault, that they had caused this suffering or that they had caused this hardship in their life, you know. And Jesus knew that that wasn't true. He said right here in the scriptures that the people were harassed, that the people were helpless, you know. And so myself... You know, how often do I look at people that are struggling in that same way? You know, do we do that today as a church? Can we look at someone that's experienced hardship or that 
are on tough times and you know can we say that you know they should have just stuck a little more money back or you know maybe they shouldn't have went and and bought this and so just struggle in my own life that I'm dealing with and Jesus perfectly displayed that compassion because everybody that he come into contact with he immediately went to help he immediately seen that this was not their own fault that it was a shortage or a lack in their own life that they that were acting out this way as a result of other things that had happened to them you know the relationships that Jesus had here in chapter 9 I want to go back through and I want to look at some of them because the way Matthew uh, laid out uh, this book uh, I don't think it was by you know any accident or anything that he's building up here in chapter 9 it was divinely inspired and so when I think it goes in line with uh, what I want to teach on today, you know, in chapter 8, Jesus is doing a lot of, of teaching. You know, he's calming storms and things like this. But when he shifts into chapter 9, uh, you can turn with me there if you want to. Jesus goes through and he starts showing radical compassion to everybody that he comes into contact with through healings, through healing afflictions. And all these things as he works through up to this text. So we're going to go through and look at some of the contact that Jesus had with people here in chapter 9. He heals one that is paralyzed. It says, and getting into a boat, he crossed over and he came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, take heart, my son. Your sins are forgiven you. On up in 21, 22, I'm sorry. Well, let's go back to 18. While he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus rode and followed him. And his disciples and behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, if only I touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players, and the crowd making a commotion, he said, Go away, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in, took her hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went throughout all that district. As Jesus passed on from the iron 27, Two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, let it be done to you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus sternly warned them, See that no one knows about it. But they went away and spread his fame throughout all the region. So we see the people in chapter 9 that Jesus has come into contact with. 
And one thing that we understand is that Jesus makes himself accessible to all these people. They can approach Jesus with their problems. We see that most of these people are desperate, that they've exhausted their resources. Uh, Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, obviously he had to swallow a lot of pride to be willing to come to Jesus. We know that he was obviously desperate. You know that he would be possibly persecuted and all this. And that we see that Jesus had compassion on all these people. He is able to leave their afflictions from a wide range of stuff all the way through. As I've read the Gospels throughout my life, it's just sort of blown me away that Jesus is willing to just drop whatever and go with these people as they come to him. You know, obviously he was teaching. Obviously he had huge crowds of people around him. And so I think this is a testament to the compassion that Jesus had. That as Jesus looks into these people's eyes, staying true to the definition, that Jesus is moved with such a deep emotion that he can't help but go with them. And so this is a radical lesson for his disciples as we come through chapter 9. He builds up through here. His disciples are with him. He's showing them all these uh, people that he's coming to contact with. He's having compassion on all of them. And to skip past the text, he's doing this to build up in chapter 10 to send him out. He's giving them a lesson of how they should be compassionate, of how that they should live their lives. And then in chapter 10, he's sending them out to carry this on in their own life. That they should care, have compassion on other people. That this is the way that they should live as they go forward. But the fact is that if we're going to have the compassion of Jesus and we're going to be this compassionate, that the first thing we have to do is that we have to see like Jesus. We have to have spiritual eyes. So that'll be our first bullet point that we must see like Jesus. Jesus saw selflessly. He never thought about his own agenda or what was going on, even though he did have a great agenda, a far greater agenda than we have. You know, he was about his father's business, establishing the kingdom here on earth. But Jesus was accessible to all these people and immediately whatever he had going on, he left. And that's a great challenge to us as we go forward. To not get too caught up in our own self, our own lives, to have compassion on people. Uh, to be willing to go uh, and help people in any way that we can like Jesus did. This is a great example for us. And he saw them in a selfless way. He saw their exterior struggles as well. The things that they needed uh, outside of their body. But he also seen beneath the surface. It just sort of blows me away that it's the crowds that Jesus has compassion on, you know, because I would think that that would be some of the most stressful situations for him, you know. I mean, one time uh, Jesus is actually backed off into the water by a crowd. He has to get out on a boat and push back from the land. And so I would see that as a time that when, you know, he might be the most stressed out when this crowd of people here that uh, for myself, I might look at this as, you know, look at all these needy people. I mean, what do they want from me? But it's at that time that Jesus had the most compassion through him. You know, as, as men, and really I can only speak about men. I don't know so much about women, uh, how they feel. But I can feel like at times that compassion, you know, might make me seem a little weak if I have compassion. I feel like, you know, at times in my life that I've been programmed to be you know, the head of the household, the father, that, you know, we have to be going and getting and trying to provide and, and be a little hard, you know. But the lesson for us as men here is that it was in Jesus' compassion 
that his power was shown the greatest. In his power, in chapter 15, I want to ask you to turn there. You can go back. He actually fed 4,000 people out of this deep emotion of compassion that Jesus had. He simply uh, prayed and produced food through his hands. They brought the basket. Jesus just kept filling the basket. And so he'd done his greatest work. He'd done his greatest miracles out of this emotion that was caused by the compassion that he had for people to alleviate their hurting, to alleviate their pain. Also with a mind to have that gospel mentality, to share the gospel, that this could be kingdom focused, that we could be winning people to God, to the kingdom as well. So the first thing we have to do is we have to see like Jesus in a selfless way, live beneath the surface of what's really going on with somebody at the real need. And then we have to look into the source of what might be causing them to come to us, what might be causing them to act in a way that might not be uh, very appropriate, we feel like, as, as those that are unbelievers. Jesus looked at the source. He looked at the people and he said that he saw that they were harassed. He saw that they were helpless, that they were scattered. Jesus seen the inner suffering of people that they were dealing with sickness. You know that life is going on with them, that this life could be getting them down as unbelievers. They may not have the ability to handle these things that those that believe do. And it might be manifesting itself in people in ways that might look far different than a spiritual deficiency. But Jesus always looked below the surface at the source. Jesus understood that that people had needs. These crowds that were coming to him, they were seeking Jesus because they had been turned away from pretty much everywhere else. You know, I mean, there's a chance that they had went to the religious leaders of that day. They had not been fulfilled. As I said, oftentimes they could have been turned away as, you know, just sinners. You know, this is something you guys cause by uh, sin in your life or by acting a certain way. Jesus knew that wasn't true. He knew that they had been possibly harassed by the religious leaders of that day, that they had no direction in their life, that they were helpless, they had no hope. So in this text, you can see that there's a bit of a divide, a bit of tension, because, you know, you're walking through here in chapter 9, and all of a sudden you're talking about healing and preaching the gospel, and immediately uh, Jesus shifts here, and he says, you know, guys, you know, we've been healing these people. We've, I've showed you the compassion of the people that you should have. And now pray for the harvest, you know, so you can be like, you know, watch this. And the way I've seen it, too, I mean, is there a connection here with the two? Or, you know, is this guy just always thinking about the harvest? And, you know, the answer to that is yes and yes, that Jesus was always thinking about the harvest. But the fact is there is a connection between our compassion uh, the compassion that we show to people and the harvest and the kingdom work of our Father God. You understand when you see like Jesus and you see people's shortage, what the solution is. The solution to those that are scattered is that they need a shepherd. Jesus knew that he was the good shepherd. He would be the Savior that he was the true source of serenity. 
That's why as Jesus went throughout these villages, he was dealing with the exterior needs of people. He was healing uh, their sicknesses. He was healing their afflictions. But you notice in all the text, he never ceased to preach the gospel to him. As he's doing this, there's balance here. He's not taking care of the needs without preaching the gospel. He's giving them the message as well as caring for their needs. And so we as Christians need to be the same way. We need to be uh, available to care for people, to uh, take care of any needs that they might have. But we should also be focused on this fact that maybe this is a chance that I get to share my testimony and tell of all that God has done for me. Or uh, maybe this is going to be a chance to share the gospel Uh, One of my favorite writers says that, you know, never try to push the gospel down people's throat, but live in a way that would demand that they come and ask you what it is about you that causes this hope and causes you uh, to live in this way. And so I feel like this is what this points to. And when you understand that, that the solution to the source of people's pain is the gospel then you understand that the fact is that they're the same. That your compassion should be kingdom driven. It should be kingdom driven in a way that you have the living God in you that's causing you to have this heart of compassion, uh, that's causing you to want to go out with people, but also that you're going out with people in your mind that, you know, this is what's glorifying my God. This is what I'm going out to do to show these people the love of Christ as He done and as he was compassionate to other people. So Jesus told them, he says, you know, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So he asked them to pray for God the Father for these people. And so Jesus understood that the solution was the message. It was the gospel of God, the gift of people, uh, accompanied by the way that they live, by meeting these people with compassion for their daily needs to pray for laborers, to go out to missionaries, to people to evangelize, to people just go out and serve and give in a way that might lead them to uh, be able to share their testimony with others. Philippians chapter 2, 1 through 3 says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in His Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion in you, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. Having the same love, being in one spirit and of one mind. On down a few verses he says, and always value others above yourself. I picked this text because it really spoke to me, as I said earlier, about a struggle in my life, uh, something that I've been working on. And You know, you could have went to other texts and you could have read about compassion. You could have went to uh, 15 and read about the compassion that, you know, he had for the 4,000. But I like the fact that Jesus identifies here in the text why it is that he's having compassion on these people. And the fact is that he's looking inwardly in people as those that are hard to love, as, you know, those that might annoy us on the job or that we come into contact with that... You know, uh, that we can't seem to show the love of Christ to. And Jesus understood that, you know, what's going on on the outside of these people. I mean, we are obligated to take care of that. But this is coming from something inside. This is coming from a spiritual need. It's coming from a fact that they have no hope, that they have no serenity. And as Christians, you know, we do. 
we have that. And so I would ask you today to leave here, uh, you know, understanding that and trying to see people as Jesus sees them when he comes into contact with them as those that may not have the hope or the peace that we have. I would like to challenge you also with this text, not to read this text and think, well, you know, I'm not in ministry. I'm not, uh, you know, evangelical guy. I'm not evangelist. And so, you know, God has not called me to preach. So, you know, I mean, maybe I'll pray for him to send somebody out, but this really don't have any, you know, implications on my life, you know. And the fact is that it does, that, you know, by the word of our testimony. Revelation says that it was by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony that they overcome the evil one. And so as we go out and show compassion, it don't matter if we're, you know, vocational ministers or not. We can show those the love of Christ and maybe point them to Christ by just acts of kindness, doing this thing, you know, not that we want to draw any praise to ourselves, but it hopes that maybe somebody will ask, you know, why do you why have you done this? You know, what is why does this hope exist in you? So this text is not just for those that are in ministry. So it's a challenge to everybody here to take this text on yourself. And as we said at the beginning, if you're following Jesus, this was an attribute of Jesus. And so this is an attribute that we should all have as believers. I just really believe that this is a special place. Uh, Most people here don't know this about me, but I was a guy that uh, was at Parker Memorial. And, uh, you know, I was pretty happy at Parker Memorial, really. And uh, the thing that drew me to this church when I come here, I was going to the early service at Parker and I would come here for the late service is I just felt like that this was a place that could draw people to church that might not be going to church. You know, that it was a place that made people feel comfortable that may not feel comfortable in other church settings. You know, I mean, it's a place where I've seen people coming with shorts and flip flops on and, and everybody sort of had blue jeans on and it was a very casual place. And so for me, it was an idea that you know, I could meet Jesus just as I was, that I didn't need to have, you know, the uh, suit on or the khakis or anything, you know, to fit in. And, and that's the reason I fell in love with this church. And, and I really feel like that's our mission field uh, today is that, you know, that we're a church that has a certain section of people here in Anniston that we can reach that might feel comfortable here, that may not feel comfortable at some of the other churches in our area. And I feel like this is a place that's special Because I feel like from this section of Anniston, we're sort of one of the only places that offers that. That it's a place that people can come dressed just like they are. Uh, It's a place to where a guy that, you know, that's really down on his luck suffering from alcoholism. Or that, you know, maybe almost homeless can come in and can sit down beside us and is always made feel welcome. So I feel like that's our mission field. And I feel like we have a special group of people here to show compassion to. And I also feel like this has always been a very compassionate church. We have always uh, served people uh, and celebrate recovery type of way, a happy tree, those that have been down on their luck that are less fortunate than us. And so I just want to encourage you to go forward and to join in here, to serve like Jesus, to be friend of Jesus, I mean, be friend of sinners, and to have the compassion of Jesus on those less fortunate To us, understanding that there is kingdom implications to this, the way that we show compassion to people, that we should be seeking those that are lost, we should be seeking sinners, that we should have this deep emotion, this deep distress in us that's causing us 
to get out of our seats and go forward in the way we serve, the way that we seek the lost. The title for today was Kingdom Driven Compassion, and uh, I think I've done a, a pretty good job here laying out why as believers that we should have compassion. Also pointed out the fact that we're all recipients of God's compassion here even going forward. I mean, you could say that those that are unbelievers are recipients of God's compassion. The fact that He didn't wipe people out in Old Testament days, as I said, out of His compassion uh, translates straight to us. But the fact is, compassion is available today as well for us that are still struggling with hardships in our life that we haven't been able to overcome. And compassion and mercy is also available today for anyone that don't know Jesus Christ. So as I ask Caleb and the guys uh, to come down and play, and we're going to have a time of invitation today. And as I said, kingdom driven is sort of a couple ways. I mean, if you don't know Christ, maybe you don't feel this compassion in your heart, in your life. Uh, this is something that you need, the supernatural power of the Spirit in you. To do and to do in a way that focuses on the kingdom is driven by the kingdom so that compassion that mercy is available for you here today this is a time that you can come forward that you can surrender your life to Jesus Christ and that's our last point in it that in order to have kingdom driven compassion you have to be surrendered to Christ you have to surrender your wills to Jesus Christ as your hope as your faith, and even though you might have believed in Jesus Christ, you have to be surrendered. You have to say, be praying for the harvest. Be bold enough to say, God, send me. Send us. Send us as a church out that we might have compassion, that we might win people to Christ. And so if you're one today and you says, you know, I don't have that compassion. I don't know Jesus Christ, but it's definitely something that I would like to have. Then we'd love to talk with you afterwards. Me, Justin, Russ, we'll all be up front can come down you can pray if you're not comfortable with that then you can find us after the service i'll hang around down here a little bit and uh, i love to talk with you more about how uh, we've been shown compassion about how the compassion of christ should drive us and how the compassion of mercy of christ is available here today through saving faith